comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Hi, my name's Joe Messa. I'm a lawyer, and I'm also a big football fan. I'm a 25-year Eagles season ticket holder, and there's a new post-game show in town. Welcome to the live post-game show with Derek Gunn, Mark Farzetta, Devin Caney, John McMullen, and the best right tackle in football, Lane Johnson. My, oh my, welcome in to the Jacob Media Live postgame show on the Jacob Media YouTube channel and all you fine people watching on 6abc.com. My name is Mark Farzetta. You got Derek Gunn. You got Devin Caney. We'll be joined later in the show by John McMullen. And it was not the night or the afternoon that the Eagles were hoping for. Going into this one, they hang with the Kansas City Chiefs for a good amount of time, almost about three and a half quarters. Before the Chiefs just decided, hey, look, we can do whatever we do, we, we want to do against this defense. And they had their way with this Eagles defense. Jonathan Gannon will be back to the drawing board for him. A lot of missed opportunities in this game. Jalen Hurts missing a couple of throws in the end zone. One to Zach Ertz early, the other to Greg Ward. Both times the Eagles had to settle for three points in those scenarios. But overall, a lot of focus is going to be on this defense. Gunner. Looking at this game today, if I would have told you before the game you're going to lose by 12 points to the Chiefs, I think a lot of people would have said, wow, was that close? The game didn't play out the way that uh, we really thought it would. Uh, they actually hung with them for a lot longer than that. But when push came to shove, the Chiefs just pushed a button to score. That's what it seemed like when it came to this Chiefs offense versus this Eagles defense. Well, I think first and foremost, the blueprint is out now on this Eagles defense. You can run the ball. And what's really shocking is how effective the last three opponents have been able to run the ball in the middle of their defense. Not, on, uh, not out on the perimeter, but in the middle of their defense with Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave. And did Fletcher Cox play today? Can, can somebody tell me? Was he in a witness protection <laughs> Good question, program? Or, yeah. you know, or what? Uh, I, I don't get it. With no. this, uh, you know, you pay this guy this kind of money. And I don't want to hear about, oh, he's getting double teamed. A guy named Aaron Donald gets double teamed every game, triple teamed. It gets bouncing off tackle uh, blockers every game, but he makes plays. Fletcher Cox is hit or miss. You don't know what when he's going to show up and when he isn't. He mm -hmm. didn't show up at all today. I mean, Javon Hargrave had another good game, but I don't know what's going on with Fletcher Cox and his defense in general. You know, and I think we I think we got sucked into the fool's goal. I think that's the problem. The first game, I keep going back to this first game. We all came out and like, wow, boy wonder, offensive guru, genius. Jonathan Gannon, defensive mastermind. And all of a sudden, you know, eight days later, it bottomed out. And it, 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 the defense has gone from great to okay to bad to worse. I mean, Kansas City ran for over 200 yards on this defense. 
I'm not surprised. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyreek Hill had his way. How in the world do you leave this man single covered? I don't get it. You don't with a linebacker, know, by the way. I don't know. I don't get it. I just don't get it. And again, nine more penalties. Think about when some of these penalties occurred in this game. When the Eagles had momentum, penalties. And then, of course, another play where the wide receiver's out of bounds, comes back in, touchdown taken away. It's it's like one thing after another. It's like that old song, if it weren't for bad luck, and I have no luck at all. That's, a, that's exactly what it is. I mean, at least they scored. I mean, you know, I, I, I will say this. because It's not all doom and gloom. It wasn't. Nick Sirianni, much better calling uh, of the plays today. I love the way they mixed it up, had people moving, had Kansas City on his heels early on. Um, you know, Jalen Hurst, good game throwing against the defense. You should have a lot of success, too, uh, a success against. You know, this defense of Kansas City's with was uh, 30th in the league, 31st against the run. Uh, so you should have a lot of success. When the game was closer, I just thought they could have run the ball a little bit more to keep that guy named Mahomes off the field. You know, people say, well, the Eagles only had three possessions in the first half. Okay, I get that. You still could have run the ball a little bit more than 11 times in the first half just to chew up a little bit more time on the clock. I knew the Eagles' defense wasn't about to stop Patrick Mahomes. Who didn't know that? People, the only people that didn't know that were people that don't watch football. You knew you knew doggone well that they weren't going to stop Kansas City's offense. Yeah, But you had a chance to get them. You had a chance, and just when you had momentum in your favor, another penalty, another penalty, another penalty. It's like it's the same broken record over and over again. At some point, you know, if I'm the coaches, I'm, I'm, somebody's got to get timeout. You got to make an example of somebody. Derek Barnett? When's Derek Barnett getting that yes, timeout? Please. That's not going to happen. Not going to happen. But I will. The the defensive penalty that killed me actually wasn't Barnett. I think it was on Sweat, and it was when they stopped them on third down, and that would have been massive. But then, because of that penalty, the Chiefs went on to score again, and that was the final nail in the coffin. Uh, And it's just so frustrating. It completely turned the tides of the game, and it just kept happening over and over again. And as a fan, it's just like you're you're sitting there watching. I wouldn't even let myself get excited about touchdowns because I think it was three touchdowns were called back because there was a flag. And it's just what Derek, what did you call it? Uh, right before we went live, you said a D D <laughs> three college. That's what they're the player playing said, like a D three college I, team. Or... I, I don't want to sit here and watch a Division two college defense play. <laughs> At the NFL level, because that's what they're playing like right now. I mean, mm-hmm. they're getting up the middle. They can't get off the field on third downs. They keep giving up the big plays, you know, oh, so on and so forth. Uh, it's it's just one thing after another. You're you're hoping that they they get better. See, offensively, they had a passed up offensive line. Lane Johnson was a late scratch, so you didn't even have you didn't have four of your so called regulars starting in the offensive line. And I thought the offensive line, for the most part, did a great job protecting Hurts. I love the way he got the ball out of his hands quickly. The mm-hmm. defense, you got a lot of veteran players on that defense, guys who have played this game at least several years, you know, and some of them were pro bowlers. I don't get what's going on with this defense at all. I, I, I really don't. I mean, no, and, and Gunner, to your point earlier about Fletcher Cox, I was looking specifically to see whether or not he was going to be double teamed a lot today or not. 
Nothing jumped out to me as crazily out of the ordinary when it came to how the offense was scheming against Fletcher Cox. One play in particular, yeah. it was completely one-on-one. It was only right, one-on-one. Right, right, right. And I believe it was a scramble to the left by Patrick Mahomes where it looked like he just kind of gave up on the play, Fletcher Cox. When the play started rolling away from his side of the football, where he was being blocked away from, by the way, he wasn't fighting through it. He was right. being held one-on-one, being beat in that battle. Play started rolling to the opposite side of the field, and he just kind of stopped right there and turned around and looked at the offensive lineman like, either, hey, good play to you, or I'm going to get you next time. Unfortunately for him, next time never happened for Fletcher Cox. But if you went into this game, and here's what's absolutely incredible about this. If you went into this game, and you were to say total yards between the two teams, who do you think would vastly outgain the other? The Kansas City Chiefs, right? The Kansas City Chiefs outgained the Philadelphia Eagles in total yards by 10 yards. Yes. That's it. But the difference in this game was on the ground. Yes. I didn't feel like Nick Sirianni. I, I'll say this. His game plan was a thousand times better than what it was Monday night against the Cowboys. Can, right. can we all agree on that? Devin, you agree? Uh, yeah. Yes, okay. I do agree. When it comes to running the football, though, it was still not something at the forefront of his offensive game plan. Now, I only bring this up not to harp on the fact that they didn't run, but to simply say it's not always about run-to-pass ratio. If they would have right. run more, sure, I would have liked that. But their best drive of the game, I believe they handed the ball off for one running play. One time mm -hmm. in their second possession where they marched down the field and scored a touchdown. That to me was the antithesis. That to me was the perfect example of why Nick Sirianni can show signs of improvement. And I felt this this week he showed a lot of signs of improvement over the last six days. Whatever he was doing, not wearing the t-shirts if that's part of it, uh, watching film differently, purposely including uh, different plays that were close to the line of scrimmage for Jalen Hurts where he struggles throwing the ball deep. That to me was perfect play calling and execution by this Eagles offense. The only thing that I'll hold against them on that one particular drive, second possession. That's where Andre Dillard had that holding penalty. <laughs> that's the only one that you go, all right, there. Uh, maybe that's the only one we can have back. Yeah, yeah, but how many times was Andre Dillard illegal man downfield? How many yeah. times did that That took two, another touchdown times? off the field. That took, took the Dallas Goddard. Yes. Gunner, Dallas Goddard yeah. almost lost his head on that play. Yeah. He was yeah. sacrificing yeah. his head off his own shoulders to yeah. try to score a mm -hmm. uh, touchdown for the Eagles on that play. But Andre Dillard was illegally up the field. It looked like he was making his block. Fell down while making it and ended up past five yards, uh, past the line of scrimmage. Hey, one of the plays, I thought he was an eligible receiver or something. He was so far down the field. I, you know, I, I, I'm thinking, okay, so now we got to go back to the drawing board. I, I mean, I know this is frustrating for, for Nick Sirianni. Um, you know, like any coach, he wants to win, feels he can win. But when your team constantly shoots itself in the foot time and time again and it's not getting any better, first of all, who's delivering the message? And number two, how thoroughly are the players listening to the message? Mm -hmm. Because there's no significant improvement in certain areas. Vastly improved in the offensive game flow, game calling, plays. Uh, but in terms of the little things that separate the difference between winning and losing, uh, those little things continue to become even more magnified and add up to big things that have cost them uh, in certain situations. They had their chances against Dallas on Monday night. They had their chances in this game, two, you know, two mm -hmm. formidable opponents in a span of six days. And because of the miss, the mental miscues, they're on the short end of the straw again. Mm. Devin, and, you, you, yeah, go ahead, Devin. Go ahead, Devin. The, well, that goes back to something that we brought up after the, the Dallas game where right. there's clearly a lack of 
um, I don't want to say discipline, but it is a discipline in a way. And it's kind yes. of who do, who do you blame? Who do you point fingers at in that situation? Because you have a rookie coaching staff, not just head coach. And Jalen Hurts is still only in his second year and first year as QB1. So it's like we need these older players to step up or someone to step up and kind of give guidance. I don't know who to blame at this point, uh, especially for the penalties. When you look at defense, you know, is it Jonathan Gannon's responsibility to get guys like Derek Barnett under control? Like I'm at a loss at this point. I don't know. I don't know what the solution is. Well, I was just going to say, here's what's bothering me and Gunnar, I'll throw this to you as well for this question. Here's what's wild. Derek Barnett, they specifically asked Nick Sirianni about Derek Barnett, I believe at Wednesday's press conference. And that's where Nick Sirianni held up the, the 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 famous now blank piece of paper saying, look, right here on the screen, this is where we like to show people that they messed up, right? And he specifically answered it to Derek Barnett. So then they asked Darius Slay, or Slay as he's known, about that same thing that they'll do during a film session saying, the player's number will show up down here who made the mistake. Well, Darius Slay had no idea what the reporter was asking him about because apparently they don't do that on either side of the football, the offense or defense. So that I found to be very interesting. The other part of it was when Nick Sirianni was asking the que- or answering the question about Derek Barnett, he said, oh, you know what we do? This is what we do. When we have someone who keeps on making a mistake, we make sure if they keep on having penalties, we say, hey, this is what you're supposed to do. The penalty here is on you, so don't do that. Really? Isn't that what the official does? Like in the course of the game, he calls out yeah. whoever the penalty's on. The, yes. the, the, the trick yes. here is to coach up the person so they don't make the same yes. mistake. If you're going to be caught on the sideline saying, oh, it's always him, then guess what? It better be addressed. Now, he did right. say they right. try to treat it like the, like a play. Like if you keep on making the mistake, you're not going to be out there. So ultimately, if Derek Barnett keeps making the same mistake, he's not going to be out there. I will say in fairness, and Devin, I think this is what you were hitting on earlier. Derek Barnett, you don't get the excuse when it happens to you almost every single week when it's always you. But I will say on this particular play, two things. One, one thing, he was pushed. He was going around the edge. There was a yes. little push from the tackle. Yeah. So, yeah. all right, if we're if we're trying to be a thousand percent fair here, there was a push on the play where he was already past his man. He was pushed into the lower portion of Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. The other thing is that it would have set up a if if the play wasn't called, if the flag wasn't thrown, it would have been third and one from the six, I believe. Mm-hmm. The Chiefs are probably still getting that first down. I mean, they're pretty good off. Oh, no, no question. Yeah. So no I I can't hammer Derek Barnett for that particular play. The person I look at when it comes to the penalty realm. Josh Sweat obviously had that one, right. Devin, that you pointed out that gave the Chiefs uh, new life. And then the other is Andre Dillard. What right. the hell, man? Exactly. Yeah. You know, <laughs> to answer yeah. Devin's question, <clears throat> when she asked who's to blame here, mm-hmm. everybody's wearing an Eagles uniform and every coach, plain and simple. That's who's mm-hmm. going to continue to be the problem until somebody rectifies this or somebody's rectify this. I, I I go Gannon to answer the question as well. I go Gannon before I go Sirianni. I thought Sirianni made enough adjustments in his game plan. Gannon, mm. they hey, look, if they checked to the line of scrimmage, they audible to the line of scrimmage. There's not much you could do when you have only, I believe, two linebackers on the field and one of them ends up lining up over Tyreek Hill. <laughs> to me, that's, there's got to be better communication there. There's no way a linebacker in any situation should ever look across and see himself lined up against Tyreek Hill. It's it's similar to, but not exactly like, when you basically had Chase Claypool, who I believe already scored two touchdowns last year against you with the Steelers. Right, Nobody right. was over top. No, I'm sorry. 
It was uh, the the White Snake. What the heck was that safety's name that you were that linebacker? Nate Gary. Nate Gary ended up being <laughs> over Chase Claypool. So we saw that yeah. problem last year with the Steelers. You're seeing this problem this year at the goal line with Tyreek Hill versus a linebacker. I, I want to know what Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie are thinking at this point. <laughs> when they sit up in the crow's nest and, and they watch the game and watch how it's played, you know, and, and we've I've mentioned this several times this season, and it just continues to resonate in my ear. When Jeffrey Jeffrey Lurie said this offseason, this is a transitional year. And I understand, you know, the situation. When you have you, – you're cap strong because of the, the money you gave Carson Wentz. We all knew they couldn't go out and get a lot of big-name free agents to fill a lot of gaps. But I didn't think it was going to be this bad, especially defensively. I felt that they had enough defensive personnel, and, and they made – they made some low-level uh, additions. Ryan Kerrigan, what what the heck is Ryan Kerrigan? He he's with Fletcher Cox in the witness protection program. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. right. Eric Wilson, Eric Wilson had um, an interception, but for the most part, Eric Wilson is not what you thought. It'd be. Steve Nelson plays decent, but Steve Nelson is still not playing like the guy from 2019. He's playing more like the guy from 2020 in a lot of situations. So, mm -hmm. I, I, you know it. The defense should be better off in a lot of ways than the offense should be, um, just yeah. because of personnel, experienced personnel. You got a bunch of kids running around on offense, you know, a quarterback trying to find his way with a load, load of pressure on his shoulders, trying to understand the system, and he flourished very well in, in today's game in his system, considering the circumstances. But there's something about the defense, and you're not going to go out and get anybody else you're not going to go out and make any wholesale changes, and you still have the likes of, of Carolina coming up, and then you got to play Tampa on a, on a short week, and then you got to go to Vegas and play that high-powered offense as well, you know. And it's going to—is it going to continue to get a lot worse before it gets better? Is there a middle ground where it, it stabilizes itself to a certain degree, you know, so that you can keep your offense in games and give your your team as a whole a better chance to win? Because your offense did just about everything they could to try to win this game mm. and got little to no help from the defense again. Yeah. Mm. Uh, look, it's not the focus. Let me just preface this by saying it's not the focus. But when we go back at the end of the year, however this year ends up, probably right. not going to be great. Probably not going right. to be great. But however this year ends up, what did we say at the start of the year? This is going to be a huge evaluation process, not just for Nick Sirianni, right. but also for Jalen Hurts and whether or not he can – compete and show that he can be the number one quarterback for this team, the franchise guy going forward, right. because no matter what, he's going to have maybe three first round picks to compete against who could be the next franchise quarterback of this football team. Mm. When you look back on this game, the missed throw to Ertz, and I know Ertz later dropped the, it would have been a great catch, but bottom line is he dropped it in the end zone, the overthrow to Ertz in the end zone, the overthrow to Ward in the end zone on in the, the rollout play. Right. Yeah. Those are two plays that Jalen Hurts, I'm sure, wishes he had back, but those are also two plays that he needs to make. The rollout to the left on the interception that ended up getting negated or overturned by review, that was obviously not an interception, still a bad throw and a right. bad and even worse decision. When we're evaluating this season, it's throws like that that we'll look back on with Jalen Hurts and said, oh, look, they were in this game against the Kansas City Chiefs. He didn't make that throw. Those were throws that not just could have kept pace with them, but it could have helped put them over the top in a close game against the Chiefs until the fourth quarter rolled around and the Chiefs just said, yeah, we can do whatever we want on this defense because they haven't uh, apparently game planned for how we could 
basically do anything when it comes to throwing right. the deep ball or running the ball as well as they were. But that's where, again, you go to the defensive line. Fletcher Cox, Ryan Kerrigan, Josh Sweat. Where are those? Javon Hargrave, I know he had another sack today, five sacks. It was amazing. But how can they run the football against you that well today? If you would have thought one of those things would have been stopped, it would have been the defensive line stopping the rushing attack. You know Kansas yeah. City likes to run the football, um, you know, as well as they like to throw it up. But um, you, you've you got to do a much better job. There's a lot of money invested in the interior of that Eagles defensive line. And you, you've got to do a much better job of winning the point of attack. You know, um, you're capable of doing it, but you're just not. And, and I'm watching play after play after play. Kansas City, eight yards, nine yards, 12 yards rushing. Again, right up the gut, not off the edges, right up the gut in this defense. And to me, number one, it, it starts with the, the front guys losing more times than winning that initial point of attack. And secondly, your linebackers have to come up and start filling the gaps. The linebackers are nowhere to be found until these running backs are getting to the second level. And if you don't have a better a better linebacking play to support, support your front guys, mm-hmm. it's going to continue to be this the whole season. And you've got a number of teams – you still have to face that like to run the football. So you just basically, you've told everybody you've got to face. If you want to have a chance to beat this Eagles team, control the clock and keep Jalen Hurts off the field and those young weapons, run the ball at the middle of their defense because they can't stop you. Mm -hmm. Uh, When we come back, we're going to continue to look at this defense and really ultimately how they ended up costing this team the game with their lack of defensive, uh, really run defense in this game and what Jonathan Gannon can do the next time around. We'll make sure we cover that when we come back with a little bit more, uh, with a little bit more, uh, I don't know, examples, obviously. Also, Lane Johnson, we'll uh, we'll let you try to give an update on Lane Johnson, what's going on with him. John McMullen will join the show a little bit later on from the stadium to let us know everything that went down in the Eagles press conferences. I do want to let you guys know that this show, brought to you by the Jacob Media Network, also on 6abc.com, is presented exclusively by Ocean Casino Resort. Book your next weekend at Ocean Casino and go for the win. More live post-game show when we return. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rip... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. The live postgame show is powered by IBEW Local 98. Welcome back to the live postgame show, 6abc.com, as well as the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Don't forget, for, this is brought to you by, once again, First Trust Bank. You can check out the Jacob Media YouTube channel tomorrow morning for Birds 365 with Jody Mack and Johnny Mack. First Trust Bank, the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, as we were saying going into break, we were talking about the Eagles' defense. 471 yards they allowed on 63 plays by the Kansas City Chiefs, Eagles offense were able to amass, again, with those three backup offensive linemen, which is just insane to me, 461 yards, so only a difference of 10 yards in that category. Mm -hmm. Defensively speaking, when we look back uh, at this game, as we are doing right now, and as we'll continue to look at it when we watch the film later in the week to help us give a better understanding, when we see what uh, Nick Sirianni has to say about it as well, the star of the show was supposed to be the defensive line. The star of the show was supposed to be a guy that you've mentioned many times already, Derek Gunn. It was supposed to be Fletcher Cox. I still have yet to see someone step up and even come close to filling the void left behind by Brandon Graham. I know uh, Josh Sweat had a sack in the game that was negated because of a penalty uh, downfield, so that's something that Eagles really couldn't do much about except for maybe not make those same dumb, boneheaded penalties again. But I still have yet to see somebody come in, and especially when you're having so, so much success against an Eagles team uh, running the football, especially between the tackles and when they try to bump it outside, I still haven't seen anybody step up and set that edge. The only time I hear a defensive end's name being mentioned is when it's a penalty, when it's Derek Barnett, when I see somebody get beat on the outside. That is a void they're going to be trying to fill, quote-unquote, by committee for the rest of the season. And I'll just say this. It's not off to a great start trying to fill in with that committee right now. I went into the Monday night game hoping to see that committee step up. I didn't see it. I look at this game, try to step up and make those big plays against a potent Kansas City offense. Still, again, came up empty. Well, I have a, I have a question yeah. for you, Derek. Hmm. I know you know Brandon Graham. What do you think was going through his mind as he watched this game and he watched this defense today? What oh, What do you he, think his message to them is after this? He, he screamed. I'm, I know he's screaming. You know, I, I know he's seeing things that we don't see. You know, you know, players who play the game at this level see a lot of different things that we overlook and just don't see. 
I guarantee you he's screaming. And, and I'm sure he's trying his best to help coach up the likes of Josh Sweat and, and, and Derek Barnett and help them. But it, it's just not working right now. See, since the NFL has gone to more of the smaller speed rushers on the outside, you have to give up something in a lot of ways in terms of those, those speed rushers being able to stand their ground and defend effectively against the run. Those guys are being paid now to get after the quarterback. And, and, you know, in this high-powered passing uh, a league that we, we've been watching for the last decade or so. So in, it's very seldom that you have a, an edge rusher who's a great combination of setting the edge to defend against the run uh, as well as getting up the field to get after a quarterback. But if you look at the better teams, what they do have is a collection of linebackers who can cover for some of the deficiencies they may have up front. And in this case, everything about this Eagles defense is being exposed. The edge guys are not getting home uh, with enough frequency. The linebackers are not good enough to come up and fill the support. And so now it is what it is. The only thing you can hope for, if this trend continues, the only thing you can hope for is if this defense can generate um, turnovers. You know, they don't have the luxury of having an offense yet like a Kansas City that can score at will. Now, you look at the two games Kansas City lost, it's because the teams they play made necessary stops, just enough necessary stops to get the ball back in their offense's hands. Uh, you know, Baltimore offense is a high-powered offense. Uh, the Chargers offense is a high-powered offense. And those teams made just enough stops to get the ball back in their hands and do enough damage to get the wins. This Eagles offense is not there yet. You know, now Baltimore and the Chargers have better defenses than the Eagles, but also, they haven't been playing great. They play great in spurts. They've gotten turnovers in spurts. This team barely has two turnovers now through four games. They barely got their first interception of the season in today's game. They were one of four teams going into this game that did not have an interception. Last week, it was they were one of two teams that didn't have any turnovers whatsoever on defense. So the, the turnovers that Jonathan Gannon talked about all in training camp – that we're all about trying to get turnovers. It hasn't happened for this unit yet. And you don't know when it's going to happen. And right now you can't rely on this defense to get you much of anything. In a lot of cases, the, the good offense is playing against an Eagles defense right now is an offense that will hurt itself more so than the Eagles hurting them. Mm -hmm. No, that I'll absolutely agree with. Plus the Eagles, one of the great things was when they did get that interception over the middle, I was thinking, right. oh, this this might be that moment because the right. other thing that really hurt the Kansas City Chiefs against Baltimore and also last week was the fact that they weren't able to move the ball because of those turnovers. Sure, their defense right. got stops against the Chargers also, but they also turned the football over at a crucial time. I was thinking maybe that interception by Wilson, I believe it was, in, in the game. When he had that interception, I thought, okay, this might be it. They were only able to convert yeah. it for three points. Right. But you have such a narrow margin for success when you play an upper echelon team like the Kansas City Chiefs, who are not just upper echelon, obviously. It's not like you can look at the Cowboys. Oh, they're good for being in the NFC East. No, no, no. The, the Chiefs are good for being in the NFL. They're one of the, the favorites to win the Super Bowl for the last couple of years here, as we know. You don't have a large margin for error against this football team. So when you settle for three points as many times as the Eagles did settle for three points, that ends up shooting you in the foot because you didn't convert those points for the most amount of points you could have gotten on that possession. You had to make them pay for every single mistake. Um there was one other thing that we didn't uh, we didn't touch. Oh, I'm sorry. I mentioned this before the break. Real quick, uh, 
Gunner, do you have any further information about Lane Johnson? Obviously, one of the guys that we did not mm. expect to miss today's game did miss today's game. Uh, supposed right. to be your starting right tackle again. Did not play due to personal reasons that we found out uh, around the 90-minute meeting, the inactives meeting. Any info in that regard, Gunner? No, at this particular time, I put out a lot of feelers and um, haven't haven't heard anything de definitive. Um, and I said uh, earlier today, uh, when I was on uh, 97.5's radio show for my pregame show, if Elaine Johnson misses a game, it has to be something serious because this man, I mean, a lot of people don't, don't really know how much pain he played in last year on that bad ankle of his. You know, the pain that he tolerated for a whole season on that ankle, most guys would have gone on the IR. Somehow he pushed his way through the majority of the season. So for him to miss a game for a personal reason, I'm just hoping and praying it's, it's you know, no, nothing that's been swirling through my mind. I, I just hope it's something that, okay, it happened at this particular moment and it's over. Um, but, you know, I was just shocked. We were all shocked. At, right. You know, you went out there without four-fifths of your starting offensive line. And it's like shades of 2020 all over again when you're bouncing guys in and out, you know. Um, and as I tweeted earlier today, you know, Jack Driscoll was supposed to start at right guard. All of a sudden, he has to move out to right tackle. Nate Herbig has to go to right guard. And, and Landon Dickerson, who played right guard last week, is shifted over to the left side, you know. And, you know, that's a lot. You know, when you're talking about building continuity and chemistry, I don't care how much you practice together. Game speed, as we all know, is a lot different. And, you know, it, 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 and again, I have to give the offensive line kudos because I thought it was yeah. going to be a mess, even against the very poorest Kansas City defense. But that offensive line held its own for the most part today. Yeah. yeah. That, the, the makeshift offensive line was a surprising positive yeah, for the most sure. part. For, or I was, I guess, ha like reasonably happy to see that they they held their own. Like, I like the pace that they kept up that helped Jalen Hurts yeah. out a lot. Yeah. So. Uh, they definitely did what they could, and hopefully Lane is okay and we see him back there. I learned a, a trick uh, from how offensive linemen time it when it comes to snap to throw, yeah. and mm -hmm. I've learned it to to track a lot of those throws uh, from our old friend Trey Thomas there, uh, Gunner. And yep. uh, I, I, I thought it was abnormally long that Jalen Hurts had to throw a football. He found Kenny Gainwell in the flat. What I liked about it, first and foremost, other than just the offensive line holding uh, the their blocks because they held it for 3.6 seconds, which was amazing, but right. – through right. those 3.6 seconds, Hertz surveyed the field. Nothing was available when he went through his progression, so he went to the last option, which was Kenny Gainwell in the flat, and he hit him, I believe, for a 13-yard gain. So, one, mm. good good on Hertz for surveying the field. Two, uh, look at the offensive line, that makeshift offensive line, and I'm sure we'll say that phrase over and over again next the, uh, over the next hour and a half. Uh, mm -hmm. But they held the block for three and a half seconds, a little over three and a half seconds. And then Kenny Gainwell came up with a nice gain for the team on that particular play. So there were a couple of positives you could take away from what the offensive line did in this one. I will mm -hmm. say this, though. As much as I like Nick Sirianni's game plan going into the game, I mean, how much motion did we see from this offense going yes. out? How yeah. many plays towards the line of scrimmage did we see for easy completions for Jalen Hurts playing well within your quarterback's range? I thought that was great. Mm -hmm. But overall, when you talk about that run-to-pass ratio, whenever you have a banged-up offensive line, I still think it's very important to make sure that they're just having quick plays. That's why in this particular instance, I don't harp on the run-to-pass. Yes, I would have liked to see more than 10 touches from Miles Sanders. He had, I think it was six carries in this game. I think he had four catches. But when you look at the way they played overall, I, I look at it and I say a lot of those plays that were allowed around the line of scrimmage allow mm -hmm. the offensive line to have that thud and done type of mentality where mm -hmm. they just had to make the block, make it quick, not hold for a long pass play. 
and make sure they can establish that rhythm and also make sure they can establish that chemistry, having not had these these five guys all play together at any point. Today was the first time. they. All, I think the closest was the starter of last year where you still had Driscoll in the game and you still had Herbig in the game when they started the season last year in their opener. But this mm-hmm. game was a game you actually allowed, though not running the ball, actually allowed your offensive line to start to establish a little bit of chemistry, a little bit of rhythm, because everything was right around the line of scrimmage. And I thought that was good on Nick Sirianni's part in this game. You know, something that we haven't really touched on yet, and I don't know if I'm getting ahead of myself here, is our offense in the red zone. Because, I, Mark, I agree with everything you just said. Yeah, yeah. I thought Jalen Hurts played well. But when it came down to it, you know, penalties aside, just play calling, not being able to get a touchdown, settling for field goals twice. Like, who was to blame for that? Is well, that Nick Sirianni as well? Well, I'll say this. If Jalen Hurts hits Zach Ertz in the end zone on that first drive, all is right with the world, but he overthrew it. If Zach Ertz catches that ball later in the game in the end zone, all is right with the world. It's a good play. If Greg Ward's able to reel that pass in from Jalen Hurts, all is right. Like, it looked like the play calling was good. The only gripe I really had was the timeout they had to burn. It made no sense to me. I did make a note of it. I just want to make sure I have have this down right here. Um, It was right before their first field goal of the game where they settled for – yeah, it was 3-0, their first drive. They burned a timeout and took the penalty – for, they took. They didn't take the penalty. They called a timeout before the delay of game, even though they were just kicking a field goal. So there's no difference on in five yards on a field goal unless you're talking about a 45 to 50 or 50 to 55, right? That particular play, I I don't know if it was on Hertz if he tried calling the timeout late, or if it was on Sirianni getting the call in to call the timeout. He can call the yeah. timeout from the from the sideline. So I'm assuming Hertz looked up, saw the play co- clock had already uh, what do you call it expired and then tried to call the timeout, and they ended up giving it to him anyway. So that made no sense to me. That's a breakdown of communication, and that I think you look at for Hurts, but it looked like Sirianni was a little bit mm, little upset with himself at that play because they did get him on the sideline during that play. Well, you know what? A lot of times um, in in situations like that, it's indecisiveness uh, that causes things like that to happen. And and again, I'm going to attribute it to uh, a, a, a new nucleus, a young nucleus, um, feeling their way as they go along and, and learning from situations. And by learning, it, it's costing them in a lot of ways. But, but, I'm, but I'm glad that it's happening now mm-hmm. because there's still a lot of football to be played. And you look at some of the things that are happening right now around the league, who knows? I mean, the Giants beat the saints in new Orleans, uh, you know, Washington rallies to, to win in Atlanta, uh, Atlanta, you know, so there's no, there's no given there's no, the jets just beat the Titans in overtime, you know, so there's no given. If I was right. a betting man, I'd be a poor man right now betting on his game. So, you know what? Learn now while it's still young in the season, because you don't know where you're going to be uh, at the halfway point, especially in NFC East, because I, right now Dallas is clearly the favorite Dallas. Dallas basically shredded a very good Carolina defense today. So right now we can say Dallas is the cream of the crop in the NFC East. Mm-hmm. But because you have additional playoff teams now, who's to say something? And I know people are going to laugh, but who's to say, depending on what happens here and there, the Eagles can somehow sneak in a back door. Yes, they have a lot of work to do, uh, a lot of cleaning up to do, mental mistakes, a lot of tightening mm-hmm. up to do, defensive mistakes. But who's to say they can't be right there competing? 
a nine and eight, an eight and eight record going, an eight and eight record, a seven and eight record going into the last couple of weeks of the season could determine a final playoff spot. And who knows? Because as tough as this Eagles schedule is right now, on paper is going to get easier. I mean, you got you still got to play the Giants twice. Mm-hmm. You got to play Washington twice, and both of those teams are not offensive and defensive juggernauts. Washington's been a very big disappointment right now. You know, they found a way to win a game today, but they've been a major disappointment. Okay, um, and you know they got Detroit still on the schedule. Not saying they're going to walk over Detroit, but they still have Detroit. So there's some games, the winnable games for this team. And so when you make these mistakes now, hopefully you overcome these things down the road. The big, the big problem right now is what would the offensive line look like between then and now? Mm-hmm. Is it going to still be a passed-up offensive line, people in and out for the next couple of months? Will it ever solidify itself? Will Brandon Brooks ever come back? Will Lane Johnson going to be here? We know Isaac Salemalo is not coming back. Uh, when is Jordan Malata come back to stabilize some of these things up front? That could be huge for this team down the stretch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, um, they get any more yeah. injuries, I might be playing O line for the Eagles. But I appreciate I your. Pay to see um... that. I would pay to see that. <laughs> I volunteer. I'll do there, it. Okay. There, there we go. There we go. There you go. Next one up. Uh, uh, I will say this, Lane Johnson. Whatever it is, I'm hoping it's something yeah. that is not. You know, for, first off, as a human being, I hope it's not right, something that right. lasts a long time. From right. a football standpoint, if it's a personal exactly. issue. Usually it's something that's within a week, so hopefully that's all yes. Eagles fans have to concern themselves with right now. Absolutely. Um, sticking with the – going back to the red zone for a second, this is where – and I started off the show by talking about a lot of plays where you shot yourselves in the foot. Mm-hmm. You look at the Andre Dillard play, that was in the red zone. It took off a Dallas Goddard touchdown where he was having his head ripped off. And then the other one was right. another Dallas Goddard touchdown where you had J.J. Ortega Whiteside who got called for the – what, the pick play? They tried yeah, to call it in the end zone. And, yep. well, yeah. Okay. Terrible call, or did JJ Ortega Whiteside just make a terrible block? He made a terrible block because you cannot extend your arm yeah. on a pick play like this. See, that's the problem. It's those little things. See, just those little things. Mm-hmm. And you know, the funny thing is, sometimes those things don't get caught. You know, offensive linemen hold all the time. As long as you keep your hands inside the pads, a lot of times mm-hmm. it's not called. But for whatever reason, the Eagles' case, always getting called for holding. Uh, offsides, a legal man downfield, and J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, who's who's the best blocking receiver that, that the Eagles have, you know, he forgot somewhere along the line, you cannot extend your arms when you're running that pick play, and he got caught. He got caught with his hand in a cookie jar, and it cost him again. So a seven turns out to be a three. I don't know how they eventually correct these penalties. It, I mean, you're talking about you're, you're in week four. I mean, I know Nick Sirianni is a first-time head coach, but, I mean, I thought – position coaches were supposed to be really good at making sure their particular position doesn't get penalties. And I know offensive line you can look at, you can look at defensive line because that's where Derek Barnett dwells, unfortunately. But how do you, if you're a team that's, even if you're a rebuilding team, let's go to this whole thing. They're not rebuilding. What are they retooling? Is that what the Eagles are doing right now? Mm -hmm. Even if you're that, like, aren't you supposed to be correcting easily, easily avoidable mistakes? Like even like let's let's just say for a second you're not you're like look you're not going to have a, 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 a receiver out there get 125 yards every game and a touchdown they're not going to blow the doors off that way your quarterback's not going to throw for 350 yards and you know four touchdowns every week that's not going to happen that's not what a retooling team does or even a rebuilding team right this team needs to be correcting those little mistakes so that next year if they are really building to something they already have it in their head that they don't they can't continue to make those same mistakes four weeks 
We're looking at the same exact stuff. The last three weeks, consecutively, the same stuff. Derek Barnett penalties. Andre Dillard, since he's been back in the game, you've been seeing penalties from him. These are all avoidable things. And J.J. Ortega Whiteside, man, if if you're not going to be a threat to catch a ball as a wide receiver, you better do those little things on the football field perfectly. And you didn't see that from him today. Hey, you know what? He had a nice tackle on special teams. Good for him. Other than that, I really didn't see much from him. And, of course, having that penalty where you extend your arms on a play, you didn't have to do it to take another red zone touchdown off the board for this Eagles team, extremely frustrating. So if you are looking at the disciplinarian, when does that come out of Nick Sirianni? If you are looking for the disciplinarian, when does that come out of Jonathan Gannon? As first-time defensive coordinators and head coaches, this is where they have to earn their stripes, prove they belong, prove they can coach these guys up to do what they need to do, and get rid of those penalties. Sirianni, game plan-wise, kudos to you. The discipline stuff, you got to coach this stuff up, man. You got to coach this up. Oh, I guarantee you, it's gone over time and time again in, in film sessions and on the practice field. But when you get to a game, it has to come from the players at that point. Mm. The players have to be smart enough uh, to know, especially when you've when when you've created as many snafus in a short amount of time as this team has, um, and you're the most penalized team in the league. It should be a lot easier to clean up certain things, you know, and, and it's like the same type of penalties over and over. So to me, it's it's a lack of focus at this particular time. I understand you're trying to make a play. You're trying to get to get the advantage. But, you know, mistakes, mistakes and penalties, they kill you in so many different areas, especially crucial junctures of a game, crucial times of a game in the fourth quarter. Um, so it, it has to be the onus, the onus has to be on the players. Uh, it, it, more so than the coaching staff in terms of, okay, where's my head mentally? It's mm. not like I'm playing this game for the first time. You know, it, mm. it, I know what I'm supposed to do and what not and what not to do. Um, and, and so for some reason, uh, these players, you know, not just a player, but these players continue to make the same boneheaded mistakes over and over again. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be interested to see tomorrow morning when the snap count comes out uh, what percentage of plays Derek Barnett actually did play in this game. See if it affected him at all from Monday to Sunday. And then, right. obviously, I'm going to look forward yeah. next week to see what that snap count is again. Because if you right. continue to see the penalties, when are you going to see that guy not in the game? Because that's one thing I really want to hold Nick Sirianni to. The one thing he said that made sense was, if the penalties continue, they won't play. Just like if you continue to drop a football, you won't play. Just like if you continue to throw a bad ball, you won't play. Not saying that Hurts is dangerous of being benched. Not saying that at all. Uh, but if you continue to make the same mistake, you won't play. So I'll see if Nick Sirianni continues. I don't know. We'll, we'll see if we can hold him accountable for that, what he said uh, during the press conference earlier in the week about penalties with this team. We'll focus on that a little bit later in the show as well. Also, when we come back, uh, we uh, got a break here. When we come back, uh, there is one stat that I saw uh, from one Eagles beat writer that is just horrifying, and it's not the way I'm yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah. It's not, it's not the way Jonathan Gannon, I think, wanted to start off things as a defensive oh coordinator. We'll get that to you when we come back. Do want to tell you, though, that uh, our show is exclusively presented by Ocean Casino Resort. Book your next weekend at Ocean Casino and go for the win. More live post-game show when we return. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. 
it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Mesa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. The live post-game show is powered by IBEW Local 98. Welcome back to live post-game show. John McMullen will be joining us coming up in a little bit from the link. We are fueled by Stateside Vodka. See the scroll below. Use the code Jacob, that's J-A-K-I-B, for 15% off a one-liter bottle. Go to statesidevodka.com. Uh, we had recommended some of that after Monday night's loss, if you guys fill up for that one. Um, yeah, yeah. Hopefully... Hopefully, at least there will be some good coming out of it. Jacob, just use that promo code. Do yourself 50% off. Hey, hey Mark. Uh, Mark, Yes, sir. I I noticed you have one less bottle on that shelf behind you. Oh, yeah. I'm just saying. I'm just (laughs) saying. You noticed that, did you? Yeah. Yeah. Guess what? Joke's on you. Three of them are filled with water at this point. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, But it was um, not exactly the game that you wanted to see from the Philadelphia Eagles. So, back to back. Listen to this. This is from Jeff McClain of Inquire.com. The last time the Eagles allowed 40 or more points in back-to-back losses was, Gunner, you were there, 55 years ago. That's what happened. (laughs) So Jonathan Gannon Gannon not off to the best possible start. Now, look, I, I wasn't expecting a lot from Jonathan Gannon, but I was expecting a little bit more aggression from this defense. One thing I, I never yelled at the top of my lungs about when it came to Jim Schwartz, was, all right, I get that you're supposed to have this defensive line. Even when you had Malik Jackson, Javon Hargrave, and Fletcher Cox playing together with Brandon Graham, right? With all those guys together, right. uh, and even Chris Long. Sure, you don't have to blitz all the time to get uh, a lot of pressure on the quarterback because your right. defensive line is supposed to be that good. Right. Your defensive line is still pretty damn good, so I don't have to yell and scream about the blitz. But there was one or two occasions you saw the blitz 
get to Patrick Mahomes. I'm talking about a corner or a safety blitz or even a linebacker where they got to Patrick Mahomes, maybe a, a quarter of a step away from getting a sack. Unfortunate for them, Patrick Mahomes is really good. Sidestep, throw the ball downfield, sidestep, 10-yard gain, uh, sidestep, scrambles for a few yards. At what point is your defensive line going to show that they are good enough, at least in the middle of this defensive line, where you see so many rushing yards being gained by a guy like Edwards Hilaire, for instance? Where are you going to see a guy like Williams get stopped in a goal line situation? When are you going to see that defensive line really start to step up and earn their keep? Not just in not just in in pass in pass excuse in uh, in pass defense, but also in the run game as well. When are you going to see them take that next step? Because Gunner, as you said earlier, I didn't really see this defensive line really look like anything worth bragging yeah. about, especially yeah. in the first half of football in this game. Yeah. No, that, I think that's the most shocking thing about this Eagles defense is their defensive front um, has not lived up to his expectation in any way, shape, or form except for the first game of the season when they just manhandled the Atlanta Falcons. Um, and, you know, at this point, I, I don't know I don't know what else you can do. You, you're not going to sit Fletcher Cox. You're not going to sit Javon Hargrave. You know, you don't have much depth on the edges. So what you have is what you have to play with. You know, I, I don't see them going – they're not going to go out and make some big trade um, because they don't have – to me, they don't have enough trade capital – to go out and try to get a big defensive player. I mean, if I'm a GM from another team, who on this Eagles defense do I want right now? Mm. Nobody. I, I, I don't know anyone. I don't. Any, I honestly don't know anybody. Even if I'm trying to free up cap space, if I'm a GM and I know I'm not going to be able to sign a certain guy next year because I've got to focus in other areas to sign certain players that we need maybe a little bit more. If I want to unload a certain defensive presence, especially if he's a good player, then I want to get back and return something that's not going to hurt me in cap space down the road. Yeah. Right now, who do, I, who do I want on this Eagles team? J Javon uh, Hargrave? Five sacks. Yeah. He's pretty sexy. Yeah, he's, he's Five sacks look sexy. Yeah. He's, he's literally the only one. The only one. Yeah, <laughs> the the only only one, one. To be honest, yeah. Fletcher Cox cap number is too high. I'm not taking him. He hasn't done much of anything this year. Right. Outside of that, well, you know, Darren Slay, you know, Steve Nelson, decent cornerbacks are a dime a dozen in, in the National Football League now. So they're not that appealing. I sure don't want the linebackers. That's the, that's the last area I'm looking for is their right. linebackers. So. You know, it's, it is what it is. There's, there's nothing you can do about it right now. I've been watching this chat here, and uh, when we were talking about Fletcher Cox before, a uh, few people brought up that it seems like a, some of our players are mentally checked out, where it's more of a mental thing, and they're not playing, you know, with heart. They're playing for a paycheck. Do you get that sense from Fletcher Cox at all? No. You know, now, now what I know about Fletcher is he, he, he plays with a lot of pride, you know, a lot of people say he plays for money. They, of course, they say that about athletes in general, but no. Fletcher Cox has a love for the game. For whatever re reason, it's not clicking for him right now. I don't think in any way, shape, or form, if you had, if I was a betting man, I would not think in any way, shape, or form that Fletcher Cox is mentally checked out right now. I think Fletcher is as frustrated as anybody can be, especially when you've been in the league as long as he's been in the league and has had a good measure of success and knows what it's like to be a part of a winning entity and knows what it takes to be mm. a part of a winning entity. And that was just think it was four years ago. He was part of a championship team, you know, and now here it is four later, four years later, he's four years older in his career. And now he's part of part of basically a rebuilding, a retooling process. And, and that's, that's rough for, for a player to go through a lot of times when he wants to go out and compete at this highest level 
and he's given his all. And even if you don't see the, the results individually, he's out there giving his all. And all of a sudden, you come away on the short end of the straw, not one, not two, but three weeks. And it just it just seems like it's going to keep continuing until further notice. Yeah, I, I always think it's really difficult to read a player's body language because they're they're literally going through a, a you know a battle on the football field, right? So right. anytime on any given play, even the one I was trying to interpret earlier, I gave both sides of it. It was either Fletcher Cox saying, Hey, you know, good block, or Fletcher Cox saying, I got you next time. Whatever it mm -hmm. was, he didn't win the battle. That's the bottom line. I'm not trying to judge him when it comes to whether or not he right. cares or not by looking at that right. play. Because I mean, if you've been around Fletcher Cox enough, you know that this guy wants to get after it. Fletcher Cox wants to be somebody that is known around the league as Aaron Donald, for instance. That's what he right. wants. That's what he strives for. Yes, he does get double teamed a lot. I didn't happen to see in this particular game a lot of double teams thrown at Fletcher Cox. Now, we'll see when we get a chance to watch the full game film and all that stuff whether or not he really was, but it didn't look like it to me. I thought he had many more opportunities to be a difference maker in this game. When you look at the defensive line, you need somebody to step up. Now, I know Brandon Graham doesn't play his position, but you need somebody to step up and take that onus, take the next step, because you're still missing one of your better players on that right. defensive line. Right. Javon Hargrave from jump this season for all four weeks has come up and shown you that he is ready to play and ready to go. Comes to the, the, the run game here, neither one of your marquee defensive tackles were stepping up and making plays. Mm -hmm. Neither one of them would do it. And that's where, especially in that, fourth quarter where you knew the Chiefs kind of had the game where you knew by watching them and the way they were calling the game, they knew they had the win in the back pocket. Right. Where's the person right. to step up and make that big play? Where's the person to step up? I know they already forced one turnover, which is a lot for them, but where's the person to step up and make that hit on Edwards Hilaire where he fumbles it like he did against the Ravens? Where's the guy to step up and force another interception from Patrick Mahomes like he had against the, the uh, I almost called him San Diego again, the LA Chargers? Where's the guy to step up and make that play again? That's where Fletcher Cox has to step up and make that play. Even Javon Hargrave, as great as he's been, we're talking about expectations, he's really – him or Fletcher Cox are the only two guys I'm really expecting to be able to step up and make a play. Now, you know what? Darius Slay, as much as I love him, quarterbacks look his way and they just go, nope. So he's not mm. going to get the opportunity to force a turnover in that regard. But when you look at the middle of this defensive line, I think that's where the heart and soul of your offense's success or detriment is going to be or failure is going to be. And I didn't see it, especially for Fletcher Cox today. And I saw the one really good play by Javon Hargrave that he was able to get the sack. Other than that, it was running at will up the middle by the Kansas City Chiefs offense. Hmm. That's because of a lack of talent across the board. Uh, it, the plain is simple. you know. And, and I'm sitting here as shocked as anybody. Because back in April, I thought this was going to be a rough year for the defense. But when they started adding pieces to the equation, Ryan mm -hmm. Kerrigan, Eric Wilson, Steve Nelson, I thought, okay, it's not going to be a great defense, but at least it will be a serviceable defense. Not a defense that looks like a D2 defense playing out there against NFL players. I never thought it would look like I, – I, and, I, and I can't emphasize that enough. I keep looking over the numbers. I mean, Kansas City was 9 of 10 on third down. Kansas City was a perfect five for five in the red zone. You know, it's like this defense just doesn't – it's like they're lost in a lot of ways. You know, mm -hmm. it, 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 and I don't and I don't know – I don't know. I'd hate to be in Jonathan, Jonathan Gannon's shoes right now. I don't know what you can do to fix this mess, to be honest, mm -hmm. because you're not mm -hmm. going to make wholesale changes. You know, you got to go with what, you, what got you to the dance this far. And right now, it's an ugly dance. <laughs> Uh, I know when we look at Jonathan Gannon, we overall think about the scheme. 
a scheme is supposed to let's in honor of Andy Reid being in Philadelphia right now, supposed to put players in a better position to make plays. Yes. It certainly helps when you have better players. The disappointing for, thing for me though, is when you do look at the one guy you're supposed to have as a dominant football player in Fletcher Cox, you barely see him. As you said earlier, Gunner, when you look at mm -hmm. the defensive backs, they didn't really pick apart a guy like Darius Slay in this game. Steven Nelson may be a different story. Certainly, you look at what they did with uh, the, the linebacker that was over on Tyreek Hill during that touchdown in the red zone. That's certainly a play you can look at and go, okay, maybe scheme better for that one. Or maybe if mm -hmm. you're a, a guy like Darius Slay, maybe if you see um, who is it, Anthony Harris over Tyreek Hill, maybe that's where you say, hey, why don't you switch with me here? Why don't you switch with me here? And instead, they just kept him on the inside and – Patrick Mahomes, go figure, sniff that out immediately and hit Tyreek Hill for another touchdown in the game. But at some point, you got to coach these guys up to have that next up-and-coming guy. Darius Slay came here as a guy that you knew was going to be a shutdown corner. You had a guy like Fletcher Cox. You knew a guy that should be able to step up in a game like this. He didn't. Javon Hargrave played well when he was with Pittsburgh. Not to the point that you expected him to have five sacks through the first four weeks of the season, right, but right. you expected these guys to be good players. When are we really going to see Josh Sweat come out of his shell as the guy that's going to be the next up-and-coming, playmaking type of player for this football team? When are you going to start to see that from anybody else on the defense that I haven't already named? You you haven't seen those guys coached up. Like, who on this defense can you look at and go, that guy's a product of good coaching? Like, even going back to the Peterson era to now, it's kind of hard to point that guy out. Mm -hmm. I, I, um, I, I see oh, – man, I, I hate to keep harping on this. Um, but I, I just think there has to be something internally. To, when you get to a certain point, you just get tired of being embarrassed, you know. And and right now I'm not seeing it. And it's like once once it starts snowballing downhill, it's it's like, okay, it is what it is, and we're just going to play this game out. And hopefully the offense can do something for us and help us. Out. And I'm not saying the players are quitting. It's just that they're on the field so long they're dog tired by the time you get to the fourth quarter. I mean, right. three straight games now, scoring drives against them, seven minutes, eight minutes, mm -hmm. 12 plays, nine plays, 6.55 off the clock, 5.58 off the clock. You mm -hmm. know, and, and, and I don't care how conditioned you are. Players get dog tired after a while, man. When you get you get pushed back like that and you're still on the field and you're not allowed to catch your breath, dude, it has, a, it, it has an adverse effect on you by the time you hit that fourth quarter. Mm -hmm. But that's also that. That goes back to the run game. If we run the ball more, we keep the yes. defense off the field yes. more, and that's on all the coaches, not just Jonathan Gannon. So. Right, right. I, I, put, uh, I put out there on Twitter. I said the Eagles ran the ball eleven times in the first half, and people responded, "Oh, you know what? They only had three possessions, and considering what uh, what the score is, they did a good job." Well, you know, okay. I, you should have been able to see that. Okay, if if this game plan is working early on, and we keep using this, we're going to get our points. Mm -hmm. If we can run mm -hmm. a few more plays off the clock, that means this team can't get the ball back. If we put sevens in the end zone instead of threes between the uprights, it's a different ball game, you know, but they didn't do that. You know, mm -hmm. and see it caught when you play a high power team like Kansas city, you got to match them point for point. Let's face it. You know, you, mm -hmm. you can't, you can't exchange seven for threes. It doesn't work. The math doesn't add up in your favor against Kansas City when it comes to that, no matter how porous their defense is. Because if you watch enough football, you know, if Kansas City gets the ball, they're one of the few teams in the league that every time they have the ball, they can potentially score a touchdown whenever they want to. 
So if you can't go up and down the field and serve and volley with a team like that, you're going to be playing at a deficit. But you can slow the game down a little bit by controlling the clock a little bit more to keep that guy named Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and, and Mecole Harton on the bench and Demarcus Robinson on the bench more so than out on the field, making your, your defense backpedal. No, I a thousand percent agree with you. Uh, let's hear what was being said during the press conference as well as in the locker room when we check in with our friend John McMullen right now. And he's presented by Mesa Law and Associates. Need a tough injury lawyer? Call Mesa and Associates. John McMullen, welcome in. Thanks for coming on with us. What was Nick Sirianni's overall message in his post game press conference to the assembled media? Uh, I think it was a lot like this game. You're trying to figure it out. You're trying to figure out where to start with this team. I mean, I I think if you look offensively, you got to be pretty happy. I think we were back to the uh, week one game plan with the quick hits out of Jalen Hurts' hand, get him some confidence. Uh, They moved the football, I think, you know, (laughs) well over 400 uh, total yards, 461. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you can't ask for much more from the offensive side. And then you start talking about the defense. Obviously, six touchdowns. And, you know, Patrick Mahomes uh, kneeled at the end of the game. So, you can't count that. So, six out of seven touchdowns um, for the Kansas City Chiefs. And the one time was obviously the they had the good pass rush, ended up in the interception. Every time they touched the football, uh, they scored, basically. Um, And obviously, that's not good enough. Uh, Now, Kansas City's the most explosive offensive team. We understand that. But that doesn't mean you can have a performance like you had today. We have nothing. I mean, even in arena football, when they used to play that, did they still play that? Not so much. Stop occasionally. (laughs) Occasionally. I, this defense has some major, major issues. And I think it starts with the linebackers because they can't stop the run. Look, this is not Dallas. We talked about Dallas. Dallas has um, – they're a different type of team. Dallas has running backs that can go downhill. The offensive line, they want to run the football. Kansas City doesn't even want to run the football. They no, don't want to run no. it. And they, uh, they, they pile up 200 yards by mistake. Uh, because it's so easy uh, to run the football against the Philadelphia Eagles. And I I don't think that's an in-season fix. That's an out-of-season fix. That's where you look at at, at Howie Roseman and say, okay, you don't don't allocate assets to that particular position, and you have it for years, and now you're reaping what you've kind of sowed as an organization when you're trying to trot out. Alex Singleton is your best linebacker and Eric Wilson as some kind of run stuffer. It's just not going to work. Hey, Jeff, what did defensive players say? If you guys had a chance to talk to the defensive players, what did defensive players say about this performance today? Yeah. I I mean, Slay dropped a couple S bombs. I think about three or four, uh, 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 shits. We can say that since we're on you. Oh, I'm on six ABC. Are you, are, you, are you allowed to say that? That's a 15-yard yeah. well, penalty we'll, we'll on you. Knock it out. We'll knock I think he said Creek. Real, I think he said Creek. Yeah. That's my yeah. favorite show, too. That's my we'll, favorite show. We'll knock it out, yeah, in post-production. But that, that's a 15-yard so penalty on you. Slay, if Slay's live, he said it a bunch of times. Uh, and they have to fix their stuff. So we'll use the word stuff. Um, look, 
Kansas City's tremendous. We know Patrick Mahomes. It's always impressive to see Tyreek Hill live because there's so many fast players in the NFL, and he's just faster than everybody else. It's so it's unbelievable uh, to watch on the field. And I know Jonathan Gannon spoke in the week leading up to the game, uh, and he said how well he tracks the football, which is rare for a speed guy. We saw a speed guy here who could track the football for years in Deshaun Jackson. You bring up the Randy Mosses. But those are deep guys. They're down the field. Tyreek Hill does it intermediately as well. I've never seen anything like it for somebody who can run like him. And he's really difficult to stop. But that said, you got to bracket him and you got to make sure other players don't beat you. Um, Eagles weren't able to do that today. Six Mm. out of seven tells you all you need to know. It's just we didn't see a punter. I didn't get to see Aaron Seacoss today. I know. Our favorite, <laughs> our favorite punter. We didn't see him. Yeah, yeah Devin's favorite player. Either punter. Either My punter. MVP. Yeah that, yeah. that Kansas City defense, by the way, they're not winning the Super Bowl unless no. Steve Spagnuolo can no. figure something out there because they are they are terrible. Mm-hmm. John, uh, first of all, I have to say your McMullen Mafia is alive and well in the comments and saying that you Shem, you can go in and, and play uh, what linebacker for the Eagles. You can play on the D-line as well. You're getting a few call-outs. So just thought you'd appreciate that. Um, if well, I got the football interest. IQ to play linebacker. But I, I, think, <laughs> you know, I think that's I why have, they want you there. Yeah. I, I don't um, think I have. I probably have the size, but I don't have the speed. Eh, well, Probably better than what we're working with now. So, um, oh, oh, <laughs> just speaking of taking guys. shots. Look at her. Oh, uh, well, I actually wanted to, like, you know, we've been talking about defense a lot, uh, and obviously the very frustrating penalties, but I want to ask you about offense with three touchdowns called back because of penalties and flags and just. So many missed opportunities, especially in the red zone. Watching it was excruciating. It got to the point where I didn't even want to celebrate a touchdown because I knew I'd see a flag 15 seconds later. Um, was that addressed in, in any postgame presser? Yeah, I, I, Nick talked about all three of them. Uh, the, the Andre Dillard uh, downfield penalty said wasn't Andre's fault. That's a situation, you know, that's a tough kind of, balancing act because you have a quarterback that wants to extend plays all the time uh and when you do that as an offensive lineman you don't know what's going on behind you uh and if you step downfield it's been a point of emphasis in the nfl um so nick kind of said maybe we have to stop calling those types of plays if they're going to call it that tightly uh Devontae smith uh, same as Jalen Rager, he's got to be more disciplined at really at the start of his route to give him a, a little bit more room. And that's a concern when you have young receivers because NFL cornerbacks are going to be physical down the field. And I know people say you're not supposed to touch guys, but watch any NFL game. You see guys bodying you up down the field, especially when you're near the sideline. They're going to make sure you step out of bounds. So that's something I, I just think is a young player um, making a mistake, similar to Jalen Rager. And unfortunately, those are kind of the growing pains we talked about when we started this season, said you had a, a rookie receiver uh, and two second-year receivers who haven't played a lot of football. You're going to have some growing pains. You're going to have some mistakes. And those guys are going to learn from that type of stuff as they move forward. 
and understand and correct those mistakes. And the third one, gee, I can't even remember. What was the third one? Ortega Whiteside, illegal block on the pick Oh, yeah, play. That, that one, you know, J.J.'s got to be a little more subtle about that. Exactly. That's just the way it is. Exactly. Uh, you know, I, I saw a lot of people say uh, that was a bad call by the officials. And to Nick's credit, he, he said the officials have, have a really difficult job. And he wasn't leading on that as a crutch. I got to tell you, when I saw that, they always call that. I mean, when you when you don't put some subtlety into your rub routes, they're going to call it. And right. he didn't, and they mm-hmm. called it. Mm-hmm. Uh, John, I want to two quick things. One on the uh, uh, Devontae Smith touchdown that was called back. I know he was out of bounds, clearly out of bounds, and they were hand fighting, and he went out. What I mean, isn't there a rule about establishing position in the NFL? I thought if you get two feet back in bounds, you're you've established position. Yeah, I mean, I'll have to watch it again on yeah. film. There is a rule, yeah, if you establish yourself back inbounds. Uh, I, I don't know what the what the officiating uh, thought process was. I mean, he stepped out of bounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, they evidently didn't come to the conclusion that you did, Mark. But I, right. I have to look at that uh, <clears throat> on the film and see how close it was. I, I don't think, and just watching it, it's kind of difficult to watch it live. You get a sure. replay. Um, but I, I don't think, you know, they're going to need you to be in bounds for two, two, two kind of steps. And I think he came right back in bounds and caught mm-hmm. the football. But I'm I not t- sure about that. Yeah, I think the second foot came down and the ball was was in his gut. Um, so uh, last thing from me, uh, as far as this this particular aspect goes, the first possession of the game, they drive down the field, they get to the fourth and three. Uh, you know, fourth and three, uh, and they burn a timeout in that situation there. Was that on Sirianni? Did he say after the game whether or not it was him calling the timeout, whether or not it was Jalen Hurts calling the timeout? No, that was on Nick. That was on the head coach. He he got to play in late, and, and he took the blame for that. And by the way, I think if he's going to call timeout, you've got to go for fourth down again. Yes, absolutely. Coming absolutely. Out, I, I, you, to me, that's an opponent situation because I got a lot of people on Twitter like you got to take the points, not against the Kansas City Chiefs, because if you're scoring field goals, you're going to lose. You're yeah. going to lose yeah. the game. Yeah. And I thought his thought process going for it was the correct one. Uh, you have to understand the opponent. You have to understand you're going to have to score touchdowns and match them. And I think after calling timeout, he should have just doubled down and said, all right, I didn't get it in. I didn't get to play in quickly enough. Let's just run a better play. Let's get our feet under us. Let's, let's make sure uh, we convert and go in and get the touchdown. I think that would have been more valuable, even if they don't get it. I think you got to signal that to your team. Yep. And you also have to, as I said, you have to understand the opponent and what you're up against. Hey, hey John, uh, it's becoming a broken record, the abundance of penalties with this team. Um, in your estimation, who does the who does the onus fall on more, the coaches or the players themselves? Um, I I think you know when you talk about things like pre snap penalties, I think that's a player issue. You know, if you see Josh Sweat jump off sides, I mean, what what can you do? Hey, don't jump off sides. Look at the football. You're right there uh, on the defensive line. Obviously, we know they're trying to get uh, uh, as quick a jump as, as to get on the pass rush as possible. As I said, Nick said the illegal downfield stuff. I mean, 
even said that wasn't Dillard's fault uh, because, you know, remember, the football's designed to come out. So in the offensive lineman's head, you got to block to this and then boom, right. go. Yep. But the football's not coming out. So that's been an issue. And, and Nick says it's it, it's been a point of emphasis, which you can see around the league as well. Uh, so that kind of stuff is, is sort of tricky. Um, the personal fouls, I know everybody's going to get on Derek Barnett. That was a reputation penalty. I mean, that was a reputation penalty as far as you're hitting a superstar quarterback and you're a guy known for personal fouls. They're going to throw that flag. So, I, I mean, I, I'm of the belief the NFL's over-legislated. I've talked about it for years and years and years. There's penalties galore in every game, but the Eagles are last. They're number 42, uh, 32 in the league. Sorry. Uh, they're number 32 of 32. So even in a year where everybody's getting penalties amped up, they're the worst. So you got to figure it out. You got to figure something out. Something that is uh, pretty polarizing in the comments on reactions is Jalen Hurts' performance. I thought he played well overall. Yes. Uh, I know some people don't agree. So, John, what are your thoughts on Jalen Hurts today? Yeah, tough. Nick called it one of the best quarterbacking performances he's ever seen. Yeah, I don't get that. Oh, I'm not I don't want to go that far. <laughs> I'm not going to go that far. Uh, I thought for the most part, I, 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 I thought he played well. Mm -hmm. I thought, again, we were back to the week one mindset. I think that's when he's at his best. Get the football out quickly. Uh, bubble mm -hmm. screens, you know, quick throws. Uh, and from there, get him some confidence. But there were some throws down the field, typical. Um, first drive, he had Zach Ertz open for a touchdown. It should have been an easy touchdown. Badly overthrew him. Um when Dallas's touchdown got called back, they should have scored again. He had Greg Ward wide open. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people said Greg got two hands on it. He should have caught it. Man, that yeah. should have been an easy touchdown. Yeah. An right, easy right. touchdown. And he made that really, really difficult for the mm -hmm. receiver who wasn't able to catch it. So when he's throwing the football from the pocket, now in the fourth quarter, he threw this out pattern to Zach Ertz down the field. That was perfect. Yeah. Um, so it's it, it's the same lack of consistency. It's not that he can't do it. It's just not consistent. And when it's not consistent, it usually has to do with footwork. And he's got to he's got to sharpen that up. But he was a playmaker today. Look, when you pile up as much yardage as they did, as much points as they did, you should win the football game but they were playing Kansas City. And, th and there's two things to that. Okay, Kansas City's offense we know is spectacular, but their defense is really, really bad. So how much was that added effectiveness of the Eagles' offense due to the fact that that group is really, really poor, and on top of it, they didn't have Frank Clark and two cornerbacks. So it it's probably a little bit of both, but I think overall certainly – I think this was the best game that Jalen Hurts played this season. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Uh, certainly the throws that you mentioned, yeah, I'm sure he'd want to have those back, but overall, very good game by Jalen Hurts. Uh, defensively speaking, we're, we're talking a lot about the linebackers. We asked you about the defensive side of the ball earlier. I want to ask you this, though. 
when it comes to filling in for Brandon Graham, when will we see that guy step up? What like I know it's supposed to be a committee here, John, but when will we see that guy or those guys step up to be the guy that sets the edge or be the guy to get the sack or the tackle for loss when we really need it? Maybe somebody other than Javon Hargrave, who is not a defensive end, a defensive tackle. Who and when will we see step up? Well, nobody's going to step up because I, I think people are, are, recognizing, <laughs> not, not are, are recognizing how good Brandon was. You know, Brandon is probably one of the most underappreciated players. I've talked about it for years, probably in Philadelphia history, um, because of the way his career started. You remember, he was labeled a bust really early in his career. And all of a sudden, he mm-hmm. starts to get it. He was a late bloomer, and he turns into one of the best edge defenders in football, but he doesn't have a lot of sacks. And when people talk about defensive ends or edge rushers, they always want to see 15 sacks. And Brandon's, I think, as high as nine and a half. So they always looked at him and says, well, he's not he's not a great player. He's a good player. No, he is a great player. Mm-hmm. And he's really a good player when it comes to setting the edge and the running game. Uh, and that is so valuable um, even when you're talking about running the football, up, people say, well, what's if you're running it up the middle, what does the defensive end have to do with that? Well, a lot, because if you set the edge and all, all of a sudden you can crash inside and help everybody else, it makes it far more difficult for the offense. The Eagles don't have that right now. The hope is that Josh Sweat turns into a, a difference maker, but more as a pass rusher than a run defender. They just don't have that player to set the edge in the running game without Brandon Graham. Right. Uh, last thing for me anyway, John, uh, any further news on Lane Johnson? Anybody say anything about what's going on with Lane? Uh, the Eagles would not uh, go into that. Nick said, we're not going to talk about that right now. I, I can tell you that, and I think Derek is the one that reported this. The original plan was to start Jack Driscoll, right guard, move Landon Dickerson to left guard. Right. That made sense because Landon, Isaac Sayamalo's out for the year. Landon's the guy they want to get the reps in every single game. So you might as well put him at left guard, keep him there for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. And then when Brandon Brooks comes back. And then you, they found out a couple hours before the game they wouldn't have Lane. And all of a sudden they have to go to plan C. And Plant C was playing Jack Driscoll, who was supposed to play right guard, back out at right tackle. They put Nate Herbig at right guard. And I got to tell you, you got to give Jeff Stoutman a ton of credit because the <laughs> offensive line is fine. Yeah. I, I mean, I know people are going to kill Dillard for the penalties, but I'm telling you, Nick specifically said the illegal downfields weren't his fault. Mm-hmm. Um, that offensive line was fine. And – 80% of it was gone from week one. The only man left standing, as usual, was Jason Kelsey. And everybody else was a reserve. And they played well enough to win. They really did. Mm-hmm. Uh, John McMullen, thank you so much. Really appreciate appreciate you coming on here. The live post-game show. We'll catch up with you again next week, my friend. Thanks so much. All right. Thank you. Thanks, John. John McMullen uh, joining us right there on the live post-game show. Uh, All right, look. I know I highlighted two throws from Jalen Hurts that I'm sure he'd love to have back. 
and I'm acknowledging they did not lose this game because of Jalen Hurts, but I would not call this game the greatest game he'd ever seen from Jalen Hurts, anything like that. I I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't go that far. Um, And see, see, that's another thing. Nick Sirianni has to be careful what he says, mm -hmm. especially in situations like this, when, when it's already raining down criticism on you and your team because things have not come together. So don't give the media and the fan base any additional firepower when you make comments like that. Okay, he played a good game, maybe a great game, but to say it's one of the best performances you've ever seen and you've been around football your whole life and you say that, no, 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 no. You got to be be a little more cautious about what you say, especially in Philadelphia. All right, we're going to break it down a little bit further when we come back in a second. Uh, Highlight a a couple other things said during the media sessions today after the game. Following, unfortunately, the Eagles lost today to the Kansas City Chiefs. 42 to 30, but we are exclusively presented by Ocean Casino Resort here on Live Post Game Show. Book your next weekend at Ocean Casino and go for the win. We'll be back on 6abc.com and the Jacob Media YouTube channel in a few. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the memories. Go to get your spin on. Go to get your spa on. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go for the steaks and the steak. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messa and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that holy shit. and you're telling me i can get one of these glasses for free that's right one free rocks glass per customer with each first time purchase of stateside vodka so good it just disappears go for the midnight tears go for the game go for the hits go for the fans go for the win Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. The live postgame show is powered by IBEW Local 98.
Welcome back. Welcome back. Live post-game show, 6BC.com, as well as Jacob Media YouTube channel. Mark Farzetta, Derek on Devin Caney with you. Just joined by John McMullen from Lincoln Financial Field. We are exclusively presented by Ocean Casino Resort. Book your next weekend at Ocean Casino. Go for the win with Ocean Casino. Uh, let's uh, react to a couple of things from uh, John McMullen. But first off, we're going to have a little conflicting reports. How about that? These are always fun. Somebody says one thing, somebody says something else, and they're not the same thing. Gunner, you love these, don't you? Oh, I love them. Yeah. <laughs> According, especially when I'm not involved. Oh yeah, you're not. Don't worry. It's not. It's nobody saying anything against what, what you've said. Uh, yeah. But uh, getting this again from uh, Eagles beat writer Jeff McLean of Inquire.com, uh, <laughs> the timeout that was called in the first possession in the red zone. Jalen Hurts called the timeout on the fourth down play on the Eagles' first drive to avoid a delay of game. Mm -hmm. Nick Sirianni. Now, Jalen Hurts said he called timeout to, to avoid delay of game. John McMullen just told us, and according to Nick Sirianni, Nick Sirianni said he got the play in late. Now, Hurts said there was an assumed delay, which probably explains why Sirianni kicked the field goal. Right. But still, bottom line is, once you know you're kicking the field goal after the like, delay of the game, and, or me, once you were awarded the timeout and not the delay of game, why are you kicking the field goal in that situation anyway? Growing pains. Oh. Growing pains. And let's face it, um, it comes with time. It comes with time. And, you know, I'm looking, I'm looking at a lot of social media comments, and people mm -hmm. are screaming the sky is falling, you know, with this team. What did you expect from this team going into this season? Yeah. <laughs> All off season from, from March, April, May, June, July, the consensus was we know it's going to be a rough year. We know it's a growing team. We know we don't have this and we don't have that. But now that the season's here, oh, my goodness, I can't believe how bad it is. Okay, it is bad in some regards. But you, did you honestly think it was going to be a lot better than, than what we're seeing right now? If you're being realistic about this, did you honestly think, you know, did, did we all bite for the fool's goal? Did, is, is that the case? Um, you know, that we, they fooled us in that first game against Atlanta, and we thought it was a whole lot better uh, than, than, than what it really is, you know, because I'll, I'll admit, after that first game, I'm thinking, wow, maybe I was wrong about this team. Mm -hmm. you know, after the, even the second game, after San Francisco. You know what? This team can stand up and slug with the big boys. Okay. But after that third game against Dallas, I'm like, you know what? You fooled me once, but you're not going to get me twice. Mm -hmm. So now with me, it's a wait and see issue. So, you know, people, you, you got to open your eyes and be realistic about this. It is what it is with this team. They're going to steal a game here and there that maybe they shouldn't win. But for the most part, sit back, take your medicine and endure it. <laughs> But here's I'm I'm already getting sick of the phrase growing pains and kind of blaming everything on that. And what really bothered me about our conversation with John and him relaying to us what Nick Sirianni said right. in his press right. conference was the fact that we talk about discipline and it doesn't seem saying Jalen Hurts, that was one of the best quarterback performances. Uh, I mean, uh, he was uh, I thought he was good. Yeah. That was uh, not yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and kind of taking the blame off Andre Dillard for the penalty. You have to discipline guys if you want them to make these changes. You can't keep using growing pains. They're a young team. Yes, uh, Rager and Devontae Smith stepped out of bounds. But yeah. Nick yeah. Sirianni was a wide receiver coach. That shouldn't be happening. 
So I just think there's a certain amount of discipline that needs to be enforced. See, I, I know what he's doing. He, he, he's, he's trying to show support for his players. And, you know, some coaches like older, the old Grizzly coaches back in the day, the Vince Lombardi's, the Chuck Knowles, the, you know, <laughs> uh, guys like this, they'd have called a player out in a minute, you know. Mm-hmm. But these coaches nowadays coaching these particular type players, they're trying to pep them up. They're, they're trying to, uh, you know, encourage them. It's okay. We're going to get through this. You know, you can't you can't coach a lot of these players like you used to coach them anymore. I get that. And and if he wants this thing to not just unravel before his very eyes, I mean, that's the approach you have to take. Because see, now if you just start singling out guys, you know what? If so and so doesn't get his bleep out of his out of his behind, he's gonna be sitting on the bench. You do that. And then all of a sudden players start retaliating. Well, you know what? If you right. called a better game, you know, so it becomes a right. serving volley, and that's the last thing you need in a locker room especially in a situation like this when you've now lost three consecutive games and it's gotten worse and worse every week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, those two plays that we did see from Rager against San Francisco 49ers and the play we did see again right. from Devontae Smith today, I-, I thought they were very similar plays. But then again, why you make – I know it's two different players, but why are you allowing that same mistake to happen? I mean, a, a good thing from Devontae yeah. Smith would have been learning yeah. from somebody else's mistake so you right. don't make the same one. And I know there was contact on both. There was some hand fighting. But both those guys are young receivers, and maybe they're not used to the amount of contact that they're right. going to have on those given plays. Right. Just just looking for an explanation, certainly not an excuse. Uh, mm-hmm. But when it comes to this particular game, and you, and you think about Nick Sirianni and what this offense did as a whole, there are – look, there are no moral victories, and I'm not saying there are. But there are some things that you did as an offense in this game that you can certainly take, and I hope you apply next week against the Carolina Panthers. Right. Let's look at one of them. Motion. How novel an idea. Actually mm-hmm. move a wide receiver or running back pre-snap to see what the defense is going to give you or right. also keep them guessing as to where Kenny Gainwell is going to be. I loved how much you saw Kenny Gainwell get the ball mm-hmm. in this particular game, especially in the passing game. Uh, I love seeing Miles Sanders actually catch the ball, not just catch the ball, but get an opportunity to catch the ball out of the backfield. Jalen Rager, bubble screens. Quez Watkins, bubble screens. Yes. You also saw the tight ends yes. get involved. Yes. I, I thought they were finally going to get rewarded for using their tight ends in a game, right. and they yeah. ended up getting touchdowns called back. Or Zach Ertz had the drop, or the play that we talked about earlier, first possession, uh, that you had Hurts uh, uh, overthrow Ertz in the end zone. There were so many times you tried to get your tight ends involved, all plays around the line of scrimmage, even the one downfield to uh, Zach Ertz later in the game. You got your tight ends involved. You take motion. You take away those quick passes out of the backfield. You take tight end usage, the way they used it in this particular game, and you apply that against the Panthers. You can win that game against a very, very good defense. But that's how this – my overall point is that's where I think the offense is at its best. And I know people love to harp on run-to-pass ratio. Last week, certainly. This week, the short plays around the line of scrimmage were working. Right. Maybe you can make more, mm-hmm. more of an argument when you're talking about red zone efficiency and actually scoring touchdowns, not just field goals, in the red zone by running the football more. But overall, throughout this game, I felt the game plan with run versus pass was well executed by this offense. And those are things I want to see them not just taking the next week, but the rest of the season. If, mm-hmm. they can, if they continue to take this approach, if you take what you did today, and continue to build on, on t- this today. Dink and dunk your way down the field. You have two accomplished tight ends, two very good, sure-handed tight ends. Utilize them. You know, you can't cover both of them. Defense can't cover both of them. Utilize them. Use the intermediate, the short to intermediate passing game to set up your, t- your shots over the top. 
because, you know, whereas a lot of teams may have just one speedster, and you know you can always cheat a little bit to his side thinking he's going to go at any given moment. The Eagles have three guys. You can send Jalen Rager down the scene on a fly pattern. You can send Quaz off this side. You can see the, send Devontae off this side. You have different ways that you can strike long-range aerial attacks. But to set it up, middle screen to your running back, swing pass to your running back, just like Farzee's talking about. Dink and dunk to your tight ends. Take those five, six, seven, eight yards. Add, I, I, but I do say add a little bit more to the running game as well. Mm-hmm. I'm, looking at, I'm looking at this Kansas City stat, stat sheet right now. 32 rushing attempts, 30 passes. That's balance. That's no, no, balance right is that an Andy Reid coach team? Did Andy Reid do that? Balance. Yeah, but you know what? When Andy Reid was here, think about this. We screamed Andy Reid, mm. uh, Doug Peterson, run the football, run the football more. You know, But see, Andy Reid goes to Kansas City. He has a completely different offensive mindset, different offensive coordinator, has one of the better coordinators in the game now, uh, calling the plays for him and telling him what to do. And you see a little bit – you see a more evolved type offense with Andy Reid. He still wants his quick strike offense, but he's got more of a running game now. He still uses the pass to set up the run, but it's more of a balance. Attack. And they identify, hey, look, you know, we, we can drive an 18-wheeler through this Eagles defense and run all day. Why not run the ball? Yeah. We're still going to score. They can't stop, stop us. We're still going to score. 32 rushing attempts, 30 passes. That's balance, balance at its finest. I, I will. I just have to say this. When – I think it was Charles Davis that that was when he made was making the call today. At one point, they were talking about the run to pass ratio, and Charles Davis just goes, "That is vintage Andy Reid finding that balance." And I went, "I'm yeah. sorry, what come again? What was yeah, that? Really. Who are you, who are you <laughs> talking about?" I did a uh, I did a, a a radio hit for some <laughs> friends in Kansas City throughout the week, and I just said, they asked me, "Hey, do you hate Andy Reid?" And I said, no, I don't hate Andy Reid. And I think the vast majority of Philadelphia does not hate Andy Reid. I think the vast majority of Philly, when they won the Super Bowl, (laughs) when he won the Super Bowl, they thought, hey, good for Andy. No one was throwing a parade here for Andy, you know, that they were winning a Super Bowl. But people were like, oh, hey, good for Andy. And then they moved on with their life. It didn't affect him either way. But I always thought Andy Reid was going to have more success in his next job, simply because you get your first job, you fall into like the way you do things, and for 14 years, nobody comes along, and you don't really change things up too much. It's not until you get a second or two to look back on your time in your first gig to go, all right, maybe I can do this different, maybe I'll do that different. And, of course, it doesn't hurt when you get Patrick Mahomes, but Andy Reid is a much better head coach than he was in Philadelphia. He's a much better head coach now in Kansas City, even without the Super Bowl, than he was here in Philadelphia. And I give him a lot of credit for having that balance today, and certainly in a game that I think if he was still Andy Reid, the Eagles head coach, that mindset, I think the Chiefs lose this game today because they never would have looked at the fourth quarter like, we'll just run the football and that'll be it. We never saw that from Andy Reid when he was here in Philadelphia. But I'll give him a lot of credit. He's matured as a head coach. He was never a terrible coach, certainly stubborn at times, but he's a much better head coach than even Patrick Mahomes or no Patrick Mahomes, still a better coach as far as a game plan goes, uh, game, uh, game planner goes than he was here in Philly. Yeah. On, on that note, in terms of Andy Reid play calling, I just have to say, I don't think we touched on this yet, the shovel pass and our defense not <laughs> making adjustments. What was it, twice? the fir- Their first two touchdowns and just no changes were made. <laughs> two, it, and it just, yeah. just like, come on, guys, see it coming. I, was it two? I think it was two to the tight end and then one to the running back, but it was you, a mistake. You start yeah. How many times defense fall for this? I mean, really? <laughs> right. In the same game. How, yeah. how many the same game. Same game. The same, was times? it the same half too? Like yeah, I, it was, exactly. it was just my. Twice in one half. 
you know, and, and you know, you're talking about Andy Reid, and, and as well as I know Andy Reid, you know, it's funny how when he was here in his latter, the, the latter part of his tenure, people couldn't wait to run him out of town. You know, they, they wanted to help him pack and get out of town on the fastest jet out of here. And, you know, and at times I talked to Andy Reid after the fact, he would tell you, he said, I knew it was time for me to go. He goes, you know, I'm smart enough to know it was time. Mm-hmm. He just wore out his welcome here. But since Andy has found that a good measure of success in Kansas City, it's amazing how many people in Philadelphia have gotten back on the Andy Reid bandwagon, congratulating him for winning a Super Bowl, congratulating him on so many different accolades throughout his career. And it's nice to see people really step back and appreciate Andy Reid uh, for who he, who he truly, truly is. Yeah. Now, it's funny, but Andy Reid is going to go down as one of the greatest coaches in the National Football League. I mean, you don't just win 100 games. And, and kudos to Andy, by the way. You don't win 100 games with two different organizations. Nobody else has done that before. Mm-hmm. So I don't care what you think about Andy Reid personally in terms of, you know, doesn't give the media information, you know, when he steps to the podium. That's deliberate. He doesn't want you to know any more than he wants you to know. But if you know Andy Reid away from a microphone and away from the masses, he's one of the funniest guys that I know. You know, he's got a quick wit. And, you know, he's also a pretty doggone good football coach because even when things are going bad, players want to play for Andy Reid. He can be the the grandfather type to him. He can be the father figure type to him. He can also be a big brother, an older big brother, and he go, he can also put a foot in there behind when he has to. Also, and when he yell, it's true. And yeah. When he, I, and when he yell, and when he yell, and when he yells at guys, you know, a lot of coaches now to me, and, and I talk about this all the time. A lot of coaches have to be careful how they coach certain players because they worry about coaches uh, players mentally shutting down. When Andy Reid gets on the players, it makes them focus and play that much better. That's the ultimate respect in the, in a game at its highest level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will say um, Andy Reid became a much better coach when he started listening to the fans in Philadelphia about running the football. I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm just okay. saying. Okay. That's what he became. That's yeah. really when he became a Hall of Fame coach. Okay. No, I right. mean, here, here's what I will say. He will be a Hall of Famer. He's he's going to be a Hall of right. Famer. I think that goes right. without saying. Uh, you talk about not just winning 100 games. I mean, 100 games with two teams is incredible. Right. Taking two different teams to a Super Bowl. X amount of uh, AFC championships or NFC championships with two different teams. That's pretty incredible for what he's done already. So what he's now coached in three Super Bowls, winning one of them, two different teams over that span as well. Yeah, that's right. that's pretty impressive to go along with the numbers that he obtained today no with uh, with one hundred. Uh, but my, I'll also say this: my opinion of Andy Reid as an Eagles head coach hasn't changed. Like I've never looked at him and go, "Oh, I wish Andy was still here." No, I've never because if he was but still sure- here. We'd be looking at the same thing. What was that, De- uh, Devin? I, I'm sure people say that because I, I don't know if that's a Philly thing or just a fan thing in general. Because mm-hmm. already today I'm seeing so many, and uh, last week on Monday too, so many, we fire Doug Peterson for this guy, for Nick Sirianni. I miss Doug. Yep. Everyone yep. always wants what they oh, that, have. Yeah, yeah that's not gone. different. Yep. Yeah. And especially with Andy Reid, because then he goes on to find success in in Kansas City. But I I agree. I also don't think, like when we talk about discipline, like D-Gun, you mentioned Andy Reid wouldn't be afraid to kind of tell players when they messed up. I didn't get that that sense from Doug Peterson either. I don't think Doug really disciplined uh, players if they had the most penalties in the league or, I don't know, small things like that that I think should be addressed by the coach. No, I, no, I agree. It's, 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 it, you know, Doug Peterson is from the Andy Reid coaching tree, but you know, being mm-hmm. Doug being a lot younger, he had to use certain tactics as well. There's certain players he could get on, 
And then there are certain players that you have to kind of kind of approach with kid gloves. And it's understandable, you know, uh, because the bottom line is when you're in a 16-game war in a season and, and it changes week to week, you know, you, you don't want to have dissension in the locker room. And Doug was such a stickler, as well as Howie and Jeffrey, about having a certain locker room chemistry and camaraderie. Because in a lot of times, that's as big as going out and playing the game itself is having a group of guys who like who enjoy playing together. Now, historically, there have been teams that have been successful where players hated each other and some would come to blows, you know, but still would go out there and win games you never knew about it. But it's a whole different ball game nowadays in, in a lot of ways, you know. The mindset's a lot different. So, and I understand, you know, Jeffrey and Howie want to build a certain culture. You know, they don't want the, the outlaws in the locker room. That's why they don't bring in a lot of the bad boys that you see around the National Football League. And I have a lot of respect for that. Now, mm-hmm. some people will say, well, he can play on that team and he's a pro bowler. Okay, I get that. But but if you bring him in here, what is that saying about what you've tried to establish over the last four, five, six years? What you've told all of us as a fan base and in the media, that we want to have a certain type of player in our locker room. We have a certain standard that we expect for grown men who are being paid six and seven figure incomes to maintain when they come here. We don't want one rebel coming here and unraveling that. They almost had that a while ago when they had a guy named T.O. in the Eagles uniform. <laughs> you know, he had a great one season, but of course, it was a season with up and down turmoil that caused division. And then the next season, it unraveled to the point. Andy Reid said, You know what? You're out. You got to go. Mm-hmm. You're a great player, but you got to go. And, you know, so you don't want that, you know, and, because that, that next year, the Eagles could have had, I don't know about a Super Bowl appearance season, but they could have had a great season. Of course, the T.O. thing blew up, and then all of a sudden, they just had a multitude of injuries, which really decimated that team the year after they went to the Super Bowl. You know, but you, you have to be you have to be true to who you want to be and who you tell us you're going to be in a lot of ways. If you if if you want if you want players as a whole to respect what you're trying to establish, then you have to maintain a certain a certain pecking order, a certain guideline that you establish. You know, when players come in here, they know that. This guy and this guy have told me that I can't do this. I can't get away with this. So you can't bring in one guy. You can't bring another guy in here just because he can put the ball in the end zone. He can get you 10 or 12 sacks, but he's going to be mm-hmm. he's going to be off the cuff, the cuff a lone wolf and do what the heck he wants to do. Because if the if the W's aren't surpassing the L's, that's a big problem. Major mm-hmm. problem in the locker room. Yeah, I still would have sided with T.O. in that battle. Still would have kept him there. <laughs> oh, oh, my goodness. Hey, when we come back, maybe, maybe the three of us will audition to be Eagles linebackers. We've talked a lot about the defensive line. We haven't touched a lot on the linebacker position here with the Philadelphia Eagles. We'll touch on that when we come back. But first, let me tell you, we are fueled by Stateside Vodka. See the scroll below, ladies and gentlemen. You can use code JACOB, that's J-A-K-I-B, for 15% off a one-liter bottle Go to statesidevodka.com. That's statesidevodka.com. Talk about those uh, Eagles linebackers when we come back here on the live postgame show. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glass is for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rip... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero carbs, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. The live post-game show is powered by IBEW Local 98. Welcome back. Live post-team show, Mark Farzetta, Derek Gunn, Devin Caney with you following this Eagles 42-30 loss at the hands of the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, uh, I don't know, stop me if you heard this before. Uh, the two things we talk about, if you stop. were to say, if you were. Oh, I'm sorry. I'll go ahead. You've definitely heard this before. You've, you've definitely heard this before. All right. So if we're not talking about run-to-pass ratio over the last, let's say, 20 years of Eagles football. What's the other thing we've been crying about, screaming and yelling about for the past 20 years? And maybe it's give or take a couple of years because of some guy named Jeremiah Trotter who was here for a few. Um, Eagles linebackers need to be better than what the Eagles have. Uh, I'm a big fan of Alex Singleton. I admire the guy for working his tail off, for becoming a, a an NFL linebacker after being right. a CFL guy, right? right and right, led right. the team, in, despite not starting out the season, led the team in tackles last year. Eagles still need to be better at the linebacker position. If they're not going to be better than Alex Singleton, they certainly need to be better than a guy like Eric Wilson, for instance. And those two combined for, I believe, 19 tackles total today and 12 to uh, uh, individual tackles, solo tackles today. 
they need somebody better to step up and stop the run closer to the line of scrimmage. We have harped and talked about at length on today's show about the defensive line. Hey, look, we're talking about money, guys, right? Fletcher Cox, make that money. Show why you make that money. We haven't really seen that to start out the season. You could argue certainly one of the worst starts of the season for Fletcher Cox in his entire time here in Philadelphia. When you look at the linebacker position, though, they're not making that money. We all know it's not a valued position. I just wonder at what point will Jeffrey Lurie or Howie Roseman look at the position and go, okay, maybe we do need to improve on that spot. Maybe instead of investing everything in the defensive line, maybe spend a couple of bucks on the, on the linebacker position as well. What do you think it would take? Because for it to take anything, at least this would be a good start. Seeing what the Kansas City Chiefs were able to do to the middle of your defense in this particular game, which was control the ball in the second half, control the clock in the second half, certainly be able to control the pace of play throughout the game based on the running attack. If you're not going to value it offensively, at some point, will you at least look at it defensively and say, oh, we need to stop that. And the best way to do that is to get a playmaking linebacker in here. We, how many years have we been screaming about twenty linebacker and play with this team? Let's say okay, I'll, right, maybe so, seventeen. So I think I, I think if, if the Eagles are being honest with themselves, uh, especially Howie Roseman and the talent evaluating department of this organization, the two back to back games you played against San Francisco and Dallas should tell you that you need to start looking at building your defense. Uh, maybe for, some team some teams like to build the defense from the the interior back some teams like to build it from the linebackers up and then back you need to start looking seriously at the linebacking play because i look at a kid named michael parsons who plays for the dallas cowboys <laughs> and you know and he's playing with a guy named leighton vanderash and they're playing with another guy named jalen smith you know um i, I think at some point you, you know you have to understand that when, when it's not happening for your d linemen that linebackers make a lot of things happen uh, both in defending the pass and defending the run. And you can't just keep putting out these these bargain basement type linebackers. You know, sometimes you got you got to go to Saks Fifth Avenue to get your linebacker <laughs> instead of Kmart. I hate to say that, but it's true. You know, you got to get that designer linebacker. But Howie Roseman yes. doesn't like designer. He likes no. the bargain. No, I, I mean, That's seriously. That's the issue. At some point, somebody's got to hit this man upside the head and say, look, there are linebackers that make plays in the National Football League. You need to find some. Recent years, look at how many linebackers they passed in the draft who are excelling in other teams in Baltimore's, the San Francisco's, uh, the Carolinas, Tennessee. I mean, you gotta find you gotta find somebody, man. Oh, by the way, you know, we're talking about running the football. So I just looked up another stat. Um, the Eagles' next opponent, Carolina, which was so stout up until today. Mm -hmm. that Dallas Freight trained Carolina for 245 yards rushing. <laughs> rushing. Dallas ran the ball for 234 carries, 245 yards. Again, an opportunity for this Eagles team. You're going down in a hostile environment. You're going to be in a dogfight because now Carolina's licking its wounds and run the football. Dallas is giving you a blueprint. You may not do exactly what Dallas does. Okay, you, you don't have the combination of Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. But you do have a pretty good combination of Miles Sanders and Kenneth Gainwell. And, oh, by the way, some guy named Boston Scott, if you ever give him a chance to run the football again, mm -hmm. you know, run the football. Formulate a game plan around running the football down there because Carolina's coming out with brass knuckles next week. 
And if you if you can't stand up toe to toe with this team down, it's going to be a long. It's going to be another long day for you. I'm tired of sitting here already talking about the negativisms <laughs> of what we what, what this Philadelphia Eagles team. I want to talk about another win. I need a win somewhere. Oh yeah. You know what? I'm depressed right now. When I'm going when I'm done with this show, I'm going to eat my way out of depression. I thought you were going to come over to my place and we'd share a couple of these bottles, my friend. I know. Stateside I thought vodka. you were going to say you were going to drink some vodka, but eating eating works too. Yeah, you know, I, I've got I've got some great food just waiting for me. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I'm I'm going to eat my depression away. You know what, Gunner? Yeah. Let me ask you this. All right, yes. and, and Devin, yes. I want you to answer this too, and I'll I'll jump in as well. Let's let's go down the positive route for for a second here. What do yes. you feel good about after this game? What uh-huh. do you feel good now? Before we end the show, being real. And yeah. taking away the game ball yeah. as we like to do yes. after a loss. Right. What? Who are you giving game balls to? What do you feel good about after this game? I feel good about the play of Jalen Hurts okay. coming off of, of the way he played on Monday night. Now he still missed some wide open receivers that could have changed the complexion of the game. Sure. I feel really good about a patched up offensive line that that was switched up and down at the last minute and held its own. I feel good about these young receivers making plays. Um, so, and I feel good about Nick Sirianni's overall game, game calling today for the most part. Okay. All right. There was a couple right there. Devin, there was a couple there. Any, any want to echo or, or a new one? What do you got? Yeah. So I echo your uh, Jalen hurts was good, yes. uh, especially compared to Monday, right. uh, makeshift offensive line, big surprise, surprisingly good. Uh, Devonte Smith. Yes. And yes. Dallas Goddard, I have to shout out as two bright spots for me yeah. in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my, uh, Gunner, you mentioned this one, but it definitely goes down to game planning with Nick Sirianni. I mean, we talk about play calling itself, but as right. far as the game plan went, everything was around the line of scrimmage. They were staying in the comfort zone of their quarterback. Right. I right, felt right. like even if they weren't running the ball, there were things close to the line of scrimmage where for a makeshift offensive line, to use that phrase again, we should have given them like a donation away every time we use the word makeshift. Uh, yeah. But every time they, they use that offensive line, they, they it was quick plays. It was quick throws. It was thud mm-hmm. and done, similar to runs. It wasn't even like a screen game that we're used to, like in the days of Andy Reid, where you were letting the uh, defensive line through to get pressure on the quarterback, and it was a dump off to the running back. It was designed screens to get rid of the ball fast. That's how it was designed. Not suck the defense in, but rather get the ball out quickly, to a running back or to a wide receiver on a bubble screen, for instance. I thought that was great uh-huh. by Nick Sirianni. That's what I want to see. If I could cut and paste one thing from this week to next week, right. that's what I would want to see. Yeah. Okay. That was us. That was up. That was us being optimistic. Look at us. Yeah. Uh, Look one us. more. One more positive that someone just pointed out in the comments, and yeah. that is, I know after our a uh, few of our preseason games, I pointed out that uh, Jake Elliott seems to have gotten his groove back. Remember last year, it was touch yeah. and go there for a while yeah. with him. Yeah, you we know, all about Jake. He's <laughs> gonna make it in. Yeah. That's and right. He's been pretty good. He's been pretty yes, solid. So I'll have to shout him out. There we, you know what? That's how you really know you're doing well. You don't even mention the kicker. Like that's how because he only gets mentioned when it's like a 60 yarder or he misses a 23 yarder. Exactly. Uh, Paul, I believe that was good hustle to you, Paul. All right, now let's be real. Who wants first dibs? Who, who oh, wants? Who wants to? Who wants to go? Who are you taking a game ball away from? Who's uh, who? Who's uh, who is most disappointing today? When you look at this this game, 42 to three, Eagles lose to the Kansas City Chiefs. Most disappointing. Wait, you said 42 to 3? So 42 to 30. Yeah, that was, was, I, that was okay. a different game. It felt like 42. <laughs> no, it didn't. Uh, no, 42 to 30. Eagles lose. Who are you taking the ball away from? Devin. 
Me first? <laughs> um, yes, yes. Um, Jonathan Gannon. He's, Ooh. I'm concerned with him. I'm concerned with our defense. Um, they are playing like tissue paper. They, like, it's just, because at first I'm like, is Dallas's offense this good? Or is it Ziggy? Like, I, I kept trying to find excuses, which it seems like the Eagles coaching staff is doing in all of their post-game pressers <laughs> every time they're asked about it. Um, but I just, um, the more games we play, the less confidence I have in Jonathan Gannon's uh, style and ability to coach our defense to success. Gotcha. Yeah. Gunner, who you got? The whole dang defense. I'm taking away the game ball, their lunch money, their free time privileges. Uh, I'm taking away the ice bath privileges and practice. I'm taking away everyday veterans. I'm taking away your day off. I don't care how much I get fined <laughs> as an organization. You obviously need more practice. I'm taking away everything until you earn it. All right, all right. So the entire defense, I'm focusing in on that one guy that we mentioned a lot today. Fletcher Cox got to make that money. You know why linebackers ain't getting paid? You know why they're not going out there looking at linebackers? Because they're looking at you, Fletcher Cox. They're looking at you, big money guy. Be the difference maker. Not at all a difference maker today or really for the first, uh, let's see, four weeks of the season. He had a touchdown last week against Dallas. The ball fell in his hands. Congrats. How about being that overall pressure guy that we've been counting uh, counting on you to be? Need to see that going forward. He's that good. I know he's that good. Just need to see it a little bit more consistently. And maybe once it starts this year, keep it consistent. You two are becoming more and more like me every week. I'm loving this. I'm enjoying this. <laughs> this is this is this is I'm, I'm getting I'm getting misty out here. The, the only I, difference would be Gunner, if we ever learn to barbecue with like you, we'll be sharing the ribs that we make. That's, that's the only difference. Point. Yeah. Valid point. Valid point. <laughs> yeah. Uh for Devin Caney, for Derek Gunn, my name is Mark Farzetta. Thank you so much for joining us during the live post-game show today. Although it was not the experience that we wanted because the Eagles took the loss. Once again, 42 to 30. It was still good to at least vent our frustrations with you guys uh chiming in on the comment section as well don't forget live post game show is exclusively presented by ocean casino resort book your next weekend at ocean casino and go for the win once again devin caney Derek gunn i'm mark farzetta thanks to uh xander kraus producing the program doing a fine job at that for all of you all of you that watch this on 6abc.com as well as the jacob media youtube channel thanks so much for joining us don't we'll see you hope. next week don't give up hope go for the midnight tears Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at mesalaw.com. Mesa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. 
go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. The live post game show is powered by IBEW Local 98.